0: The friend that I mentioned just a few moments ago from Jerusalem is a friend from Georgia that we pastored together, and while I served in district office, was just such a not only a passionate follower of Christ, a gift of evangelism, but at a point in his life felt that God had called him and his wife to move and become a part of Israel itself. And I remember thinking, Robbie, what a What a transition, and just just decided that they would become a part of the culture and move there and build relationships. All these years later, he pastors a congregation and leads a ministry of about two to 300 Arabs and Jewish Christians who meet and worship together. And it's the power of building friendships, friendships with people who don't share your faith. Friendships with people who were not followers of Jesus Christ. And so it wasn't a coincidence, I felt like, that we connected and talked, especially after what all has happened this week and this horrific attack that has taken place. So I want to talk to you about the power and the blessing, the positivity, building spiritual friendships with people who don't agree with you. Now, when I say spiritual, I'm not saying that they agree with our faith. I'm talking about in this culture that we live in, there are a lot of people who call themselves spiritual, but they don't necessarily share our faith as followers of Jesus Christ. They might be Jewish, they might be Arab, they might be Sikh, they might be Hindu, they might be an atheist, and yet feel like they're a very spiritual person. Those are people that I have met. And I think part of the problem that exists for us, and especially exists for me, is that it is just so easy for me to spend all of my life with Christian people. It's so easy for me just to spend all of my life with people like you, not only in our church, but in our community, I have invitations all the time to Christian events, and even invitations that say, if you will come, we will pay your way. We will pay for you to be there. And if I was not careful, my whole world would be nothing but Christians. And you go, well, that really sounds great. And it does sound good. It sounds like heaven. And I think when God gets ready for me to spend all of my time with Christian people, I'm going to be called to heaven, but in the meantime, I live on a planet that according to the Bible, that has a wide road that is filled with people going to hell, and it's up to people like you and me as we looked at in the scripture last week to shine brightly for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's up to people like you and me to build relationships with them and at least engage them and give those opportunities, give them opportunities to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've heard me quote Archbishop William Temple many times before, but here's a statement that gets quoted a lot, sometimes not exactly accurate, but always with the same intent. But here is the quote that the archbishop made. He said, the church exists primarily for the sake of those who are still outside of it. Let's look at that statement again for just a moment. The church exists primarily. Why are we here? Primarily, we are here because of those who still haven't come to know Jesus Christ yet. That's the teaching of the Gospels. That's the teaching of the book of Acts. That was the example of the Apostle Paul and the rest of the apostles and the early churches. They scattered forth building relationships and doing life, whether it was tanning hides or whether it was writing poetry, whatever their vocation, they were building relationships with lost people. Exists primarily for the sake of those I know that we do all things for the glory of God. That's what we're called to do. But as I prepare my messages during the week, typically I will put somebody's picture from the church in front of me, and I will think of you as I'm writing that message. I'll also put a picture of one of my lost friends in front of me on my computer screen so I can look at them and think about them. How will they hear what I'm going to say? What will this message sound like to their ears? Is it going to be both something that's going to minister to the person who knows Jesus Christ, but is it also going to make sense to the person who hasn't come to share my faith in Jesus Christ yet? It's called the power and the blessing of spiritual friendships. And I think there's a wonderful story that takes place about this in the Bible. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning while we go to the Scriptures And we're going to look at the book of John, and I'm going to read again from the message this morning. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. Now, remember, we've talked about this before. Galilee was quite a mix of people. Galilee was not, it's what we call the Holy Land, but they definitely would not have called Galilee the Holy Land back then, okay? So Jesus is going into a rough part of the world. Jesus decided to go to Galilee, and when he got there, He ran across Philip and said, come follow me. Philip's hometown was Bethesda, the same as Andrew and Peter. Well, Philip went and found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote of in the law, the one preached by the prophet. It's Jesus, Joseph's son, the one from Nazareth. Again, Nazareth was not a great place to be from. Nathanael said, Nazareth? you got to be kidding me. But Philip said, come see for yourself. And when Jesus saw him coming, he said, there's a real Israelite, not a false bone in his body. And Nathanael said, where did you get that idea? You don't know me. And Jesus answered, one day long before Philip called you here, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you? You? become a believer simply because I say I saw you one day sitting under the fig tree you haven't seen anything yet look at your neighbor and say you ain't seen nothing yet do you know how southern you just sounded right there that is how you're going to talk in heaven get used to it you ain't seen nothing yet is what Jesus is saying Before this is over, you're going to see heaven open and God's angels descending to the Son of Man and descending again, ascending again. Father, I'm asking you in the next few minutes, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit, to quicken these words to our hearts, to stir them in our soul. Jesus, you identify with your word. You are the word. And I pray that it will burn brightly within us and that we will be compelled by love. We'll be empowered by your Holy Spirit. And we will have the wisdom and the discernment that it takes just to be a friend. Befriend someone, Lord, who doesn't share our faith. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I can't tell you how frightening that prayer that I just prayed was to me as a young Christian. Because it went against everything I had ever been taught. As a matter of fact, driving past churches that didn't agree with the way things were taught at our church, we were taught they were going to hell too. If you didn't believe the same way we believed, you were going to hell. It was a real strict, fundamental way. Be separate from the world. Don't be a part of the world. And as I was working on this this week and praying, I just, it just felt so natural. And there were times that I would just get up and I would rejoice and thank God for the friendships, for the fruit that I've seen. And then I got a call from one of the members of our church who told me about the power and the blessing that he had had of building friendships with someone that wasn't a Christian. And And how through the years that they had built this friendship, and now they were praying together, and how that his grandson even got to witness this conversation of faith that was taking place that resulting in the healing and the care of this family for their lost friend. And this lost friend is not a charity case. This lost friend is not a pity case this lost friend is just someone who is skilled and talented in their own ways the same way that most of you are here today skilled and talented in their own way but they cared enough to build a friendship with them and they're seeing it come to build fruit in their life and as I thought about that I rewrote part of my message and this first point is what I wrote spiritual friends care for one another's souls Spiritual friends care for one another's souls. An email that I received from a man in our Downriver community was, Dear Pastor Clanton, you don't know me, but I was at a dinner the other day, and someone asked me if I knew you, and I said no. And he said... You need to get to know Dennis Clanton. And they began to tell him the reasons that they felt like we should get to know one another and become acquainted. And he said, I'm not a Christian. I don't share your faith. He told me what uh, faith background it was from. It's a non-Christian faith. He says, but I would love, listen, I would love to build a relationship with someone that is a Christian. I would love to build a relationship with someone that is a Christian. Let me say that again. I would love to build a relationship with someone that is a Christian. And I thought, how odd that in the United States of America, this man doesn't already have a relationship with someone who is a Christian. And the person that told him he should get to know me is also not a Christian. You see, we live on a planet that Jesus described this way that the road to life is narrow, but the road to destruction is absolutely wide. And as one friend of mine puts in his homespun way, he says, It seems like we're living in a day where people in the world are going to hell in a bedsheet and people. The church just doesn't seem to have a burden about it or care for it. Then he asked me, he says, What do people ask you to pray about? And I said, Well, they asked me to pray for their finances, they asked me to pray for their health, for their children, their grandchildren, their marriages he goes, that's all fine and good, but how many people are asking you to pray for the lost? How many people are asking you to pray for the, for the Jews and for, the, for, the, for the, the Sikhs or for the Mormons? How many people are actually believing that our prayers can change the powers that be in Washington and in Lansing? He says, are we praying prayers according to the scripture and I got to thinking about that, and if you were part of the prayer service last night, you heard me mention that in the prayer service. Let's be sure our prayers line up with the prayers of the Scripture. Sure, let's pray for our children. Let's pray for healing. Let's pray for our finances. But friends, lost people matter to God. And that's why we ask you to talk to your friend, talk to Jesus about your friends before you ever talk to your friends about Jesus. And what I have discovered in this relationship, and especially after this conversation I heard earlier this week, and, and I'm not given to tears easily, but I was crying. My wife was laughing at me, not because I was crying. She just, just, just not my nature to cry easily. I was crying listening to this man from our congregation as he shared his story. I told Becky later, I says, you know, the individual that I'm talking about, I said he cares about my soul he cares about my soul i said he cares about me as a person he cares about you he cares about our kids even cares about our church and though he hasn't come to know christ yet i know that he cares about because he stays in touch remember what i said last week friends stay in touch he stays in touch Friends, remember. He's always remembering things. He's always inviting us into their lives and to be a part of their life, and his wife and his children hug me, and we've become friends. They care about our soul, and it fits with what Luke chapter 6 and verse 31 says, do to others as you would like them to do to you, and Jesus wasn't speaking about that just in a context of those who share our faith. But I should do to the Mormon, I should do to the the Muslim, I should do to the Hindu, I should do to the lost person, I should do to them just as I would want them to do to me. Does that make sense? It's how we treat one another, it's how we love one another. Secondly, spiritual friends share the good news with their lost friends who don't even share their faith. Spiritual friends always share the good news You see, the problem is, is if we're not careful, we worry and we fret about, oh, how am I ever going to have this conversation? Because in my personal conversations with people leading up to this message, is I ask, when's the last time you actually shared your faith? When's the the last time you talked to someone about why you were a Christian or you shared your faith story with them? And it's possible that we become, and this is important, that we become good friends with people, but we never share the good news of the gospel with them. We never share our faith story, and surely in some of our encounters over lunch, or dinner, or on the job, or on the marketplace, the classroom, surely someplace, there's going to be an opportunity that arises where they share a need with us or they tell us something that's happened in their life and we can say oh wow let me tell you something that's similar that happened into my life it should be so common that when we go to work and people often tell me about their weekends most of my friends don't ask me about my weekend anymore because if they ask me about my weekend, I'm going to tell them about church. That's my weekend. But if, you, if Georgia won last night, you know somewhere I'm going to say, Georgia had a great day yesterday. They beat undefeated Kentucky, and we're still number one in the nation. And Michigan is number two. They had a great day yesterday beating Minnesota. It wasn't even a game that you guys had yesterday. But Georgia's still number one. God's a Georgia Bulldog fan. <laughs> or else the devil's going back to Georgia to find another soul to steal and if that just went over your head you need to listen to a little more country music <laughs> how many of you knew that song just out of your okay I see some country music fans in here you see we we talk about football we talk about our children it should be just as natural to say boy we had a great day at church yesterday. Let me tell you what our pastor shared in the message about friendship. And you don't have to make a big deal, just it should be natural. Look at John one forty-five. Philip went and found Nathanael and told him, we found the one Moses wrote of in the law, the one preached by the prophets. It's Jesus, Joseph's son, the one from Nazareth. Now, you get the feeling in this story, the way Nathanael responds. Philip knew pretty well how nathaniel was going to respond nazareth anything good going to come out of nazareth it's like sometimes people say anything good going to come out of washington anything good going to come out of lansing you know you've got those friends i've got those friends as well it just should become natural for us to share never be afraid to share your spiritual life with other people Sharing my spiritual story is the most important thing I can share with other people about my life. Just recently, I had a conversation with one of my non-Christian friends, and he asked me some questions. And I mean, this was just less than two weeks ago. He asked me some questions, and I will never forget. He just rubbed his hand through his hair, and he looked at me, and he says, I never knew that. And of course, everything in me wanted to say to him... If you came to Woodland, you'd know that. (laughs) But I'm still trying to reel him in. You know, when you're fishing, you don't jerk the line too quick. You just kind of let the bait lay out there until they take it and run. And, And so he asked me some more questions. We had this great spiritual conversation. Because you have to come to a place where you understand that sharing your spiritual life is an expression of love to other people. It's how we love other people. If I don't talk to you about the Bulldogs, I know you don't really have a love for football. I don't go to Pastor Mark because Pastor Mark could care less about football. I don't go to Pastor Mark and say, did you see the game last night? Because I'm just going to get a blank stare. But now if I go to Pastor Corey, Pastor Corey and I, we're going to be yakking, we're going to be talking, he's going to be, we're praying it comes down to Michigan and Georgia at the end of the year. Can you imagine what it will be like around this place? It's going to be great. Sorry, that was in the flesh, but it was an expression of love. You see, sharing my spiritual life is how I love people. Look at what Penn Jillette, I will never forget, Pastor AJ stood in this pulpit a number of years ago and showed a, a, a video from Penn Jillette about Christians and their knowledge. He said, if, and in that video, he said, if I believed what Christians believed, he said, I would crawl on my hands and knees across broken glass to share Jesus Christ with them. But look at this quote from Penn Jillette. How much would you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible And not tell them about it. Read that with me. How much would you have to hate someone. To believe that everlasting life is possible. And not tell them about it. Now you know him as a famous magician. You know him as on the shows that he does. But here's a guy that's challenging you and I. That says if you love me. Share your spiritual life with me. If you love me, share what God is doing in your life. When I die, I want it to be said of me what Paul said to the Corinthian church, that we can be proud of our clear conscience. We have always lived honestly and sincerely, and especially when we were with you and we were guided by God's wonderful kindness instead of by the wisdom of this world. Now, that's going to be too long to put on my tombstone, but that's the essence of what I want to be there on my tombstone, that I live honestly and conscientiously and sincerely and guided by not a hatred for this world, but guided by the kindness and the wisdom that God has because lost people matter to God. My wife, just to let you in on a little secret, she's often praying in her sleep. And I love it, because I get to listen to her while she's praying. And this week was one of those weeks where she's praying away, in the name of Jesus, she's praying about this, and in the name of Jesus, she's praying about that. And suddenly she's going, Dennis, Dennis, get here. Pray with me. Dennis. And she's praying hard. And so I just put my arms around her, and I begin to pray with her. She never wakes up. I don't know what she was praying about. But I know in that moment there was the power of the Holy Spirit present in our room. And somewhere, somehow, God answered prayer on Thursday night when Becky was praying. You see, it's the wonderful kindness and the goodness of God that leads us. Now, everybody knows I am not perfect, but everybody knows you're not perfect either. And so it's not a matter of being perfect if we share our faith. As a matter of fact, they would be frightened us if we didn't share our faith with one another. So never let the idea that I'm not the best example of a Christian, never let the idea that I'm not the best example of something, never let that even enter your mind. There are no perfect Christians. Let me illustrate it this way. When Jesus is ready for me to have nothing but Christian friends, I think he's going to call me to heaven. And when Jesus is ready for me to be perfect, I think he's going to call me to heaven, and then I'll finally be perfect. But in the meantime, warts, flaws, and everything, God still uses people like you and me. Amen? The third thing, spiritual friends are honest with one another. Let me tell you about another friend of mine that I'd like to share with you about. And I'm just being very personal with you. Now, he and I, we disagree on just about most everything when it comes to Jesus as a matter of fact I have to be honest with you he's the one that initiated this friendship but it was because of another Christian who lived in another they met in another town on a business conference and said um, I'd like you to meet a friend of mine that lives in Michigan and we've got together as a matter of fact we're getting together in just a few days again for lunch but we're very honest with one another Uh, he is a leader in his religion has a congregation uh, in his religion and we're very honest with one another you know i ask him questions about how he thinks about jesus and the cross and christianity and he asked me questions about how christians think about the cross and and, uh, excuse me about his faith and, and his religion and and though we disagree at times i'll have to say to him Asher, I've got to go back and study and see what God's word has to say. I don't have a good answer for you on that right now. Or at times he'll say to me, let me get back with you on that. And because of that conversation, I'm growing in my faith. I hope that he's growing. And at times we find ourselves getting to some pretty intense conversations about what we believe. But you see, friends are honest with one another. Friends are, are, are oftentimes talking to one another in a way that can get spirited and can, can be uh, intense, but it's never with malice or hatred unless you make it with malice or hatred. Are you following me this morning? Because I don't want friendships with people who are just going to be nice to me when I'm with them. I want them to say, you know, I didn't disagree with him. But he was always honest with me. He was always clear. And there seemed to be a wisdom that was otherworldly about him. And that's the wisdom of God that you and I can have. I think it's why Jesus said to the early church, don't leave Jerusalem until you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. If I'm going to live in Christ, I must be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. If I am going to live in Christ, I must be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit lives within us, he helps us to have these conversations. Remember how that the Apostle Paul, when he got to the, to the, the temple there in Athens, he had this conversation with him, and he preached this totally impromptu sermon to the unknown God, to this temple to the unknown God. I've had the privilege of preaching there. I've had the privilege of ministering there. And I just, I took advantage of it because Paul took advantage of it. And people listened. You rely upon the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. Look at your neighbor and say to them, the unlimited and infinite power of God himself lives in your heart today. Look at your neighbor and tell them that. The infinite and unlimited power of God, Hines, lives in you today. Lives in you. Present in you. Dwells within you. Loves through you. Now, that's not weird. That's good news. Can you say amen to that? And when you see people doing weird things, you know, that's not the Holy Spirit. You don't find that in the Bible, and I'm not going to throw stones at anybody, but don't ever be put off of the Holy Spirit because of some weirdo you see on television. Nathaniel said, Nazareth, you've got to be kidding me. Let me give you two things quickly. Always be honest about your differences and doubts. Always be honest about your differences and doubts. Secondly, and this is what I've discovered, my differences help us both to seek and discover truth. Now here's the confidence that I have. I know I'm dealing with truth. I may not be the most educated, I may not be the most skilled, speaker in the world as a matter of fact i am grateful for my education i'm grateful for the skill sets that god gave me but let me let you in on a little secret even to those that i mentor i always tell them you will weaken your ministry you will weaken your testimony if you rely on your skill sets and you rely on your education The Apostle Paul said, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with words of wisdom and eloquent speech. I came to you depending upon the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And there's where our confidence comes from. We lead people to truth. And I'm never afraid of sharing the truth. I'm never afraid of the arguments they come up with because every wall has to be cast down. That's the reason the Bible says take captive every thought. Then number four, spiritual friends invite each other to explore. Spiritual friends invite each other to explore. Becky and I got an invitation to go to a non-Christian service. It was a worship service. and So we, before I responded, I I, and it was an honest thing. I said, let me check. And if I'm clear and free, I'll get back with you. That was not an obligation there. If I'm clear and free, I'll get back with you. But you have to do that and not use that as a hedge. You have to be honest about that because people will see through that pretty clearly. Typically, when somebody says, Let me pray about it, they're telling me I don't want to do it. Okay? So I, I, I know pretty clearly what's going on. How many of you know that's the truth? You know, let me pray about it. That means I really don't want to do it. And, but I don't want to tell you no right now. So I just, I, just, I just said, let me check my calendar. And we could go, so we went. And the whole time, the service, I'm worshiping the Lord. I'm praying. I'm giving God thanks. Becky's worshiping. What a wonderful time. But I learned so much about the kindness and the sincerity and the purity of these people's motives of what they were trying to do. But here's what I've discovered With all of my friends who are on this journey with me, everyone, everyone will eventually need an experience with God. That's why Philip didn't try to argue with Nathaniel about Jesus coming from Nazareth. He didn't try to argue with him about anything. He just simply says, come and see for yourself. When is the last time one of your friends was invited to come to Woodland just simply to come and see for yourself? That's what Friend Day is all about. For us to have the opportunity to say to them, come and see for yourself. And here's what you and I should be doing in the meantime. Every one of us should be praying for our friends every day. It's why we're on this 21 days of prayer and fasting for our friends. And I hope you found that to be the same blessing that I have found. It has just been such a joy to to take an hour and lift my friends up, not my family, not the church, but lift all my various friends up to the Lord and pray for them and give that meal to the Lord and just intercede for them because I know that eventually they're going to... To need an experience with God, and if they accept my invitation to come for Woodland, my prayer is may they experience the love of Jesus Christ here at Woodland Church through every single one of us here as we worship the Lord as the Word of God is preached, in our giving, in our praying, in our fellowship. I want them to experience the one who loved them most, the one who took their sins to Calvary just like he took my sins to Calvary. Can you say amen to that? That's what we're praying for. And so as you pray, also pray that they will have a unique experience with the Lord. And what we're simply trying to do is trying to facilitate, and I don't really like that word, but I couldn't find a better word, trying to facilitate their experience by inviting them to come and see. To facilitate means... We're giving you an invitation. We're befriending. We're saying, come with me. Come, come sit with me. We're going to have some snacks after church. We're, we're just, I just want you to come and be my guest on that Sunday morning. And we're not going to do anything weird to your friends. We're not going to make them stand up or anything like that. We're just going to simply worship the Lord like we do every Sunday morning. I'm preaching a message that day on what it means to be a friend of God. That's such a powerful statement in the Bible, isn't it? Abraham was a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. I want to be a friend of God. Don't you? And to facilitate means we're setting up that opportunity to happen. And then finally this morning, spiritual friends trust God. Spiritual friends trust God. What do I mean by that? It means I get out of the way. Sometimes I introduce people to you or I set up a meeting, I facilitate a meeting. There are a number of you in here that I have facilitated a meeting between you and someone else. Sometimes it's by an email, sometimes it's by a text message, and, you know, I'm, I might just simply say something like this, Dear Jerry. Philip is a friend of mine. I, you guys have some common interest. I'd like to introduce you to my friend Philip. And uh, Philip, Jerry, you know, he loves to sail. He has a real knowledge of sailing. He's married to a LSU Tiger fan. Don't hold that against him. But she makes amazing gumbo. If you get an invitation, go. So I'll set up the meeting. But then I tell both of you, once I set up the meeting, I always say this. And there's Some of you in this church, you can say, you, I've told you this. I'll step back and get out of the way. I don't need to be a part of the picture any longer. All I want to do is to set up a meeting because I think the two of you might find something that will be beneficial to one another or even build a friendship or a partnership together, and I'll get out of the way. And that's what spiritual friends are doing when they trust God. Philip simply invited Nathaniel and Got Jesus and Nathanael together, and then you don't read anymore. Look at this. When Jesus saw him coming, he said, there's a real Israelite, not a false bone in his body. Nathaniel said, where did you get that idea? Now, this is him and Jesus talking. You don't know me, Jesus answered. One day long before Philip called you here, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God the king of Israel. When you are building spiritual friendships, you meet people where they're at. You don't demand that they cross the line and give their heart to Jesus. But you know at some point in their life, there's going to need, they're going to need an experience with God. I was praying as I was coming to church this morning, and this man pulled up beside me and at the traffic light there at West Road and Telegraph, and he looked over at me and, and smiled and just kind of waved, and I did, and I just prayed a real quick prayer of blessing under my breath for him because I trust God to hear prayer. I trust God, nobody wears a suit on Sunday morning unless you're going to church or you're a pastor or maybe you're a politician trying out to get votes. But he just threw up his hands and he waved. That's kind of unusual in the metro area. I don't know if you know that or not. You can't go for, it's kind of aggravating now. I've lived with you so long, you've rubbed off on me but I can't go for a walk or go for a run at home without having to wave at everybody that drives by. Everybody drives, they're throwing up their hand, and if you don't wave, they'll go, why didn't you wave at that person? They, were, they just waved at you. I go, I'm walking. I don't need to wa-. They go, you Yankee. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, we have a way of rubbing off on each other. But I knew God would answer my prayer. And this is what I've come to the conclusion is. Evangelism is not tracts, and I'm not against tracts. I don't personally use them. I have used a lot of them. Evangelism is not Christian television. I'm not against that. Matter of fact, one of the first things that I said when I came to Woodland was, I don't want to raise money to be on television. I love that we can live stream and be where people can choose to watch us and join us, and they do. But after 50 years of just doing this, evangelism is relationships. Now, to think about that, evangelism is relationships. It's not a one time I share Jesus with you and then I'm out of your life and I feel better. Maybe you feel a little better because you listened to me. It's building a relationship over time. It's why Jesus came. became one of us lived with us did life with us was tempted in every way as we are and invites us to come and walk with him so here's what I'd like you to do this week who introduced you to Jesus was it your mom your dad was it a friend was it a pastor was it a neighbor but who first told you about Jesus Christ? Some of you have told me you came to Christ in college. Some of you have told me that you came to Christ because of a coworker. Some of you can't remember when you gave your life to Christ. You were just a child, and, but you've just always grown up loving Jesus. But what I'd like you to do this week is to set up a coffee or a lunch just to focus on building a relationship with somebody. You don't have to share Jesus with them. They ask you why. Sometimes people have asked me why. I said I'd just like to get to know you. Matter of fact, now that I've lived here long enough and people know that I'm a pastor, <clears throat> a lot of times people say, why? And you can just feel that wall go up. And I almost wish I didn't have to tell them I was a pastor. I said, I just want to get to know you. You're, you're interesting. I've enjoyed. I, I was sitting on a committee with someone the other day, and I said, hey, would you like to have coffee? And he goes, why? And he just pulled back like that, and I go, I just want to get to know you. He goes, oh, Okay you're not going to try and preach to me, are you? And I go, no, I, I just really want to get to know you. He goes, okay. I know he's still kind of hesitant about it. It's just, you're, there's just something about preacher that seems radioactive to people, you know? He's like, stay away. So who can you focus on building a relationship with? And then number two, have you ever, have you ever locked yourself out of your house or your car or your office? How many of you have? Can I see your hand? You've locked yourself out. You know that feeling? I hate keys. Everybody knows me, knows I hate keys. I have locked myself out of cars. I've locked myself out of the church. I've locked myself out of the house. I've locked myself. I can't tell you the places. And I tell people, don't give me keys. Don't give me keys. Jesus, don't give me the keys to the kingdom because I will lose them. But Imagine what it must feel like to feel locked out of a conversation or to lock, be locked out of eternal life, to be locked out of the kingdom of God. We built a set on this platform years ago. Your son helped us build it, Matt. We built a set, and we, call, we did a whole series called Lost. You ever been Lost. Don Gurney got us lost one time in the Rocky Mountains. He had this fancy doodad at the time that connected with a satellite in the sky, and it didn't work very well. We finally came to a place, and I don't get scared easily. I really don't, but Don looked at me, and I've got my two young boys with me there. Don says, Pastor, I'm lost. Those are words you do not want to hear where you know that Mama Bear is back home waiting on you and you got the boys with you. And eventually, not Don, but Andrew found the way for us to get out of those mountains. I never felt so relieved. But can you imagine what it must feel like to lay in a bed at night? And maybe some of you can easily and go, if I die tonight, what's going to happen? That sense of lostness. That's why we build friendships. And then thirdly, think about the kind things and the unkind things that have been said to you. And then think about how Jesus shared the gospel. I've had a lot of very kind things that I don't deserve said about me. I've had a lot of unkind things that I don't deserve that's been said about me. But when I read Jesus, and he's sharing with lost people. It is the most kind and most gentle and loving conversation that I can imagine. But when he talks to people like me who are not faithful to his word, it's some of the most unkind things that I could ever imagine. So think about how can you build a relationship that cares and loves people the way Jesus did. And that's how you build a spiritual friendship with a non-Christian person, but you're praying in the background for the day they come to Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning, Lord? I <clears throat> I just want to say it again for the benefit of those who are listening online or those who are joining with us today. This is not about budgets. This is not about putting people in pews. This is all about the fact that, God, there is an alarming dechurching that's taking place in America. There's an alarming rate of people that are no longer sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And your word is so clear. How will they know unless someone goes? And so I pray that you will teach us and empower us, oh Lord, to build spiritual friendships. God, that we trust you as we get out of the way and as we pray, that Lord, you will reveal yourself to our lost friends the way you did to Nathaniel. God, the way you're doing right now to some of the people that we're building friendships with. Father, the way that you've done with people in this congregation where they came to know you. It's not impossible. So as much as I know how, Lord, I'm asking you today, breathe upon this church. Breathe in our hearts with a new passion. Fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see and hearts to love the way Jesus loved. And now, Lord, while everyone's head is bowed, if if there's anyone here that hasn't crossed the line yet or there's anyone here that's ready to give their heart to Jesus or is watching online, I pray right now for them that there will be a stirring in their hearts. There is a God in heaven that created them, a God in heaven that loved them, A God who sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to become one of us. And his blood was shed for our sins. And he rose again on the third day. And just as you've made that real to billions of people, Lord, you're making it real to them right now. And if that's you, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you that I know that right now this stirring in my heart to commit my life to you. God, you're looking at me and you forgive my sins through Jesus Christ, your son. And I confess him as my Lord. I don't understand it all, but as much as I do, I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, would you just lift up your hand. If you're here, lift up your hand and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer with you this morning. And if you're online and you prayed that prayer, would you also let me know, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Well, let's give the Lord a hand to thank you. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise three folks here at Woodland and then those I pray you did online as well. Well now I want you to know this. The Lord looks at you and He sees you. And I pray the word of God over you that the Lord will bless you. He will cause people to pour into your life and that He will open the windows of heaven and pour into your life. That the Lord will keep you from the evil one who stalks the night and from the pestilence. And the Lord will protect you from all that the evil one will try to accomplish. And that the Lord will smile upon you and cause you to be prosperous and successful in all that you do. This is the word of the Lord. God bless you. Go in peace this morning. Have a great week.